Welcome to 4,000 Weeks, the weekly audio dispatch from 4kweeks.com. This is our weekly newsletter in audio format, and you can subscribe to the email newsletter, the email version of this, by going to 4kweeks.com backslash newsletter sign up, or just going to the homepage 4kweeks.com and clicking the button. You might want to do that because there are extra links, etc., etc., interesting things, little tidbits, um, references for everything that I talk about. But the first thing that I owe you this week is the dad joke of the week. And so the setup is, did you know that my favorite frequency is 50,000 hertz? And we'll get to the punchline at the end. In the meantime, let's dive in. Week 10 of 2024 has arrived. On Tuesday of this week here in Kansas City, it was 70 degrees at 8 o'clock in the morning. And then by 8 p.m., it was actually snowing. But the weird part about that is not the temperature swing. It's that everybody I talked to that day and the next day was surprised by it happening, even though it seems to happen every few years here in Kansas City. The false spring is upon us. That is the spring where we feel like, oh, it's beautiful outside. It's 70 degrees and sunny and, you know, the daffodils are rising out of the dirt and all of us think that the winter is over, but I imagine she has a few more cold days in store for us. It's time for you to walk over to your 4K Weeks poster and fill in another square. Are you done? What is the longest that you have ever sat still and watched something? And I don't mean like a football game or something that constantly keeps you entertained with the drama. I mean something small, something like a bird eating out of a bird feeder or the sun setting or the waves coming in to the beach. Is it 10 minutes? Is it two hours? Is it six hours? Have you sat still for six hours and watched something like that happen? I had an exchange with a person this week. It was on Instagram and it got me thinking. She had seen uh, an advertisement for a 4K Weeks poster for the first time. And among other things, after I engaged her, she said, it's not that I'm anxious. It's that I'm just sad that this is all we get. I want a billion weeks with my baby. And that made me think of two things. There were two things that I wanted to say about it. And the first is this. And I like, I like to think that I'm honest and not a Pollyanna, although sometimes I can, I can tend towards Pollyanna-ishness. The first thing is that it is said. There's no way around it. There are no smooth, silky words that take the suck out of the fact that this is going to end one day. Because this is fun. And the fact that one day it will end really sucks. And the truth is, we just have to hold on to that sucky feeling and try to smile in spite of it and try to find joy in the moments. And that is easier some days than others. But it's okay to admit that it's, it's kind of sucky. And the second thing I wanted to say about this is that I actually don't think she wants a billion weeks with her baby. And she was speaking of a child, a toddler. I think it just feels that way. And, and I will be honest here. I look at my older children, my teenage children now, and I sometimes pine for the days that they were toddlers, the babies that they were. I said that, I think, two weeks ago, that I miss the babies 
that does not mean that I want them to be babies forever. It doesn't mean that I want to constantly and forever be in that mode where they were chubby toddlers. I think it just feels, especially when something is gone, that we wish it was still here. And and I, I think it just feels that way and we have to acknowledge the fact that we don't actually want that. And it seems odd that a person would ever be okay with their life ending. But I know that at the end, my dad certainly got to a point where in spite of all the things that he was leaving behind, he was at the very minimum curious about what was next and kind of done with this experience and the cumulative uh, additional inconveniences that come with age. And I don't know about you, but even if I'm watching the absolute most beautiful thing in the world, after about 30 minutes of watching it, I'm I'm I me, mean, you know, often way less. I'm ready to move on, and that's okay. It, it's there's nothing there's nothing inhuman 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 about seeing a sunset for three or four minutes and be like, okay, what are we gonna eat for dinner? That's okay. That's a, that's very human. And like, even if I was to have my wish about my dad granted, and I was able to have like one more lunch with him. Even if I knew that that was the last lunch I would ever have with him and there would never be another opportunity, at some point it would be fine if it ended and that's okay. I've said this before, human beings are explorers. We are a curious animal. The unknown draws us on even as we are still in love with what we have known. So I think it's just important to acknowledge that you don't want to spend a billion years with your baby. You just want to be able to. And that's the sucky part there. Remarkable weeks this week. Week 10 of 1959, Ruth Handler, businesswoman and inventor, unveils Barbie to the public at the American Toy Fair in New York. Since then, over one billion Barbie dolls have been sold worldwide. Many of them are still living in our basement in a storage container. She was 2,209 weeks old, or 42.36 years. And if you haven't seen the Barbie movie, you should go see it, even if you don't think you'll like it. It is a cultural moment. I did not, I, I loved it. I thought it was spect a spectacular work of art. It is not necessarily enjoyable to watch if you are thinking as you watch it, just because there's a long way to go. Week 10 of 1971, Joe Frazier brings an end to Muhammad Ali's 31-fight winning streak in what is famously dubbed the fight of the century. He was 1,416 weeks old, or 27 years. That's an interesting little comparison, the, uh, the invention of the Barbie doll and the glorification of men beating themselves around the face to see who can stand up longer. <laughs> I don't know that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dude in many ways. I do love all of the dude things. Um, I have participated in refereed combat and I enjoyed it greatly, but I do think it's strange that we ravenously consume grown men beating each other up. It's weird. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's weird. Week 10 of 2009, Neymar, Brazilian soccer sensation, marked his debut in the world of professional football with Santos at the age of 17. Uh, you know, in the States, we, we are not as football crazy about that kind of football as the rest of the world, which is odd. I don't know why that is. Um, but I do think it's remarkable how 
much composure athletes can show at such a young age. I don't think we give that enough credit. I don't think we give them, we don't give the, the composure of a, of a rookie in American football, the rest of the world, football, basketball. Um, we don't give that enough credit. Like the, the most impressive thing about Caitlin Clark, if you know who Caitlin Clark is, she is the basketball sensation breaking all of the records in women's NCAA basketball right now. The most impressive thing about her, I think, is not all of the physical feats, not the um, making the three-pointers and the assists and the points she's scoring, et cetera, et cetera. It's the composure. It's the fact that at, at an age in which I was still having trouble buying groceries, she is owning the competition. It's pretty amazing. This week's quote... This week's quote is from William Shakespeare, and it was a little bit, I was surprised that it was Shakespeare because of what it is, and maybe he was talking about the theater, or maybe not. Maybe he was just a thoughtful person, and I just didn't expect this quote to come from him. I'm going to read it twice. It's a short one. Be great in act as you have been in thought. Be great in act as you have been in thought. William Shakespeare This is the most important thing for you to remember once you have committed to making a change for the better in your life. And I mean that in a big, either in big ways or small ways. If you're at the bottom and you've decided you've had enough and you're going to make a change, or if you're at the top, but you realize you need to tweak your habits to get more success out of your life. Either way, this is the most important thing to think about. I assume that all of you are like me with a fairly steady internal dialogue. I don't know if that's true, but... We are all walking around thinking the rest of us are just like us. But I have a constant stream of talking in my head. So let's just imagine uh, it's after dinner at our house and I am doing the dishes and my wife has made cookies and I'm thinking, I want a cookie. I want a cookie. I want a cookie. And then, you know, part of me is saying, well, you exercise today, so it's probably okay for you to have one cookie. And so then I eat the cookie and then my mind is like, I want another cookie. I want another cookie. I want another cookie. And then part of me will say, well, you shouldn't. You should not have another cookie because that's a lot of sugar and it's late in the evening. And then another part of my brain is like, I want a cookie. I want a cookie. I want a cookie. And the important part is to be great and act as you have been in thought. Because I, we all know what is good for us and what is bad for us. I think if you can pause a moment, anyone, even the junkie at the bottom of the ladder knows what is good for them and what is bad for them. You have been great in thought. It is easy to be great in thought. We all know we should exercise and not eat the cookie, etc., etc. The issue is making the good choices in the moment or being great in act. And that's where the rubber meets the road. And none of us is perfect. Sometimes I eat the second cookie. Sometimes I eat the third and the fourth cookie. Typically, it's when I'm exhausted and I'm stressed and I'm overworked and my internal, my internal... Um, what is the word? My internal editor or my internal drill sergeant is weak and tired or asleep. But the goal should be to be great and act 60% or more of the time. So that six out of 10 times at the minimum, when faced with a choice that you know the right answer to, you make the right answer as opposed to the wrong answer. Because remember, we are all always moving in a direction. There is no static moment. You are always moving towards the person 
you want and need to be or away from the person you want and need to be. And it's kind of like canoeing down a river, right? You're just close to this shore, close to this shore, close to this shore, close to this shore. That is where you will see the growth and start to build habits that put that 60% on autopilot so that you can get to the remaining 40%. And I think it's important to say, to reiterate this for people who are at the beginning of their growth journey, whatever that means, is that it seems like a heavy, 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 heavy lift to go from the gutter to not the gutter. But you have to start stacking habits and this is how you start doing it. Eventually, you know, if, if for you, it's a heroic act to make the right choice three times out of 10, if you, if you can do that, then you will put those three times out of 10 on autopilot. And then we're not talking about a huge lift. We're talking about just a little lift going from three times out of 10 to four times out of 10. And then once you have done four times out of 10 for a while, then it's just another little lift of four times out of 10 to five times out of 10. And that's how you stack good habits. I remind myself all the time that everything is a trend. And you just need to make sure that your amount of good habits is trending up and to the right. And the example about my, in, in my own life about this is I have, I have baked in the habit of exercising four times a week, hard. And I've been realizing lately that the days off, I've been just totally taking days off. And that actually is not helping out the rest of the days. And what I need to be doing is exercising. I'm going to put that in quotes because it means a lot of different things, exercising every day during the week. But those, those three days right now where I'm not exercising are just going to be general movement. I just need to make sure I'm walking for a few miles and stretching and basically making my body ready for the next day's hard workout. And I think that that will make the rest of the day is easier. And that is what I mean when I say once you've stacked those six habits and that's now the default, then you just have to go from six to seven. You don't have to go from, you can't even go from one to 10. You can go from one to two and from two to three and sometimes from three to five, but never from two to eight. I hope that makes sense to you. What I'm consuming this week. So uh, my wife gave me, sent me a podcast recommendation. It's the Spark and Fire podcast. It's from a few years ago. And the title of it is Cultivate a Child's Sense of Wonder with Ryan Johnson. So you can just Google that, Spark and Fire Ryan. And Ryan is spelled R-I-A-N Johnson. He is the writer and director of the Knives Out movies, which are big favorites at our house. Both of my kids love them. My wife loves them. I love them. I think they're really good whodunits. And my wife recommended this podcast to me when I was talking to her about my struggle recently that I've been having with a creative hobby I'm working on writing, not writing this kind of podcast and stuff, but other writing. And I was talking to her about how it was hard getting going, and she recommended this podcast. And it's a, it's a really interesting discussion of his creative process and also genre. And if you don't know what I mean when I say genre, it's something Seth Godin talks a lot about. And in the newsletter, there's a link to a discussion of Seth Godin and genre. And I think it's, a, it's an interesting podcast for anyone trying to do some creative work. Number two, Tim Ferriss Show, episode 719 with Greg McEwen. I heard the snippet of this podcast in the monthly, every, every month he does a recap of interesting moments from like four or five podcasts. And I heard this guy talk and I immediately needed to listen to it. There's another in that snippet, the In Case You Missed It episode from this month about a nutritionist. And that's the reason I'm taking fish oil now. Like I get a lot of little tips from these 
And so but with the Craig McEwen, he's an essentialist. He wrote the book about essentialism. And I'm always looking for how to build structures into my life that, that automate parts. Right. So it's like the uh, it's like what's this Apple guy, Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs, Jobs, Steve Jobs always wore a black t-shirt because he didn't want to have to worry about that, right? Automating things like that. If I don't, if I don't care about it, let's get it automated so we can just make it happen. We don't have to think about it. And Greg McEwen was talking about how he stays focused on what's important in his life. And he has a planner that he makes for himself. It's just a, you know, just a notebook. But the first few pages are just kind of an essay about what's important to him this year. So that on days when he is lost, which I get lost regularly, where I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what the heck is the point of all that? What should I be doing today? That's the struggle of, a, of being an entrepreneur or a, or a person who is in the cre- a creative industry where it's like, I have to not only do the work today, but I have to figure out what the heck the work is. And sometimes I'll just call my wife. And he actually said the same thing in the podcast, which I was really kind of tight tuned me into what he was saying. Cause I will do the same thing. I call my wife and I'm like, what, what am I doing? What should I be doing today? And so his solution to that, among other things was a, this long form essay that if he f- faces that issue, he just goes and reads the f- two pages and he's like, ah, yes, this is what is important to me. Well, based on what is important to me, here's what I should do each day. And I'm going to try that. Cause I think that'll be a really interesting way to refocus. So it's a, re- and it was a good podcast. The next thing is a book that I'm reading, Same as Ever by Morgan Housel. I think I mentioned this last week. It's a really good book about what stays the same in our culture. And there's a Warren Buffett anecdote that he tells that I think really captures what this book is about. And so Warren Buffett's driving in a car with someone, I can't remember who, and the person says, oh my gosh, things are crazy right now. I can't believe, you know, what's going to happen? I think it was 2008. I th- what, who knows what's going to happen? Everything's so topsy-turvy. And Warren Buffett says, you know what the most popular candy bar was in 1960? And the guy's like, no. He's like, Snickers. Do you know what the most popular candy bar is today? Snickers. Some things stay the same. And this book is about focusing on the things that stay the same so that you don't get caught up in all of the turmoil that is always happening. In fact, an interesting thing um, that he says in this, I shared with my son and his friend, a once in one in a billion event. So there's eight or sorry, a one in a million event. There's 8 billion people on the planet. So by definition, one in a millions are happening 8,000 times a day. So when numbers get big, rare things happen frequently. Next book that I'm reading is called save the cat. This relates to that spark and fire podcast earlier. Um, Save the Cat, subtitle, the last book on screenwriting that you will ever need. And I am not writing a screenplay, but I was trying to learn about how human beings tell and hear and process stories. And sometimes when you're trying to do a skill, it's good to boil it down to what's the what's the most base version of this. And screenwriting is like, they're just trying to tell the same story over and over and over in just novel enough ways that we all want to watch it so bad. And so I got this book. It's super interesting. I say super interesting all the time, but that's okay. It is super interesting. Boiling stories down to their essential components. And there's like seven or eight different types of story and they're all the same. You know, the Die Hard movie is the same story as a million different stories, just with slightly different color. And so when I am trying to do something and I'm having trouble doing it, and I'm being my best self, I will seek out information about how other people do it, and I will try to internalize that information, and that's why I'm reading that book, and it's good.
There's some Instagram. Uh, no, actually, sorry, there are not Instagram nuggets this week because I don't know how to deal with this. One of the newsletter readers, Herb, emailed me uh, an article about the scandal at Meta regarding how Meta failed to, like egregiously failed to protect children. And I don't know how to handle this with integrity. And maybe, I'm, I'm not sure. It's difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on him not understanding it. We are all guilty of that all day long. Meta has nearly turned themselves into a utility, except that it's not socialized like all the rest of the utilities. It is, you know, the, they, their take rate is 70 or 80%, meaning for every every dollar spent, they just, that's the money they make, which, you know, maybe they should. I don't know, maybe they shouldn't. That's a different discussion. But basically, their algorithm was promoting parents who are exploiting their children in myriad different ways, all of the terrible ways you can think, children influencers and, you know, making money off of the back of their 10-year-olds in a in myriad terrible ways. And not only was Meta not doing that, but they were actually promoting that. And I'm sure they would say it was just algorithmic and it wasn't malicious and it wasn't intentional, but it still happened. And so I just, it seems silly to put light, funny Instagram posts in here today in the light of that. But I don't know how to, I mean, they're too big to fail. They're too big for us not to use it. You can't, you cannot find anything in the classifieds anymore. Craigslist is done. Facebook marketplace is the only thing that exists with regard to finding and buying and selling stuff in your town. I don't know. It's a sticky wicket. And I feel like, um, someone way smarter than me should start a blockchain based social media company where the users are the owners and it is all held accountable algorithmically the best neighborhoods are ones where most people own their homes because they are invested in the success of that neighborhood. And I think social media should head that direction. I would invest in that company and you should read, read, write, own the book that I recommended last week. I think it's Chris Dixon, the, the author. So no, no Instagram posts this week. What am I thinking about this week? I'm thinking about North stars. Polaris, I think it's called the Polaris star. I don't know what Polaris translates to, but the North star, load stars, if you will. Things that will help you find your direction when you are surrounded by a sea of blackness. I think I have my priorities straight. I, th I think I do. I don't, I, tr I don't want to be fooling myself. I'm trying not to fool myself. I know we are all fooling ourselves all the time, but I think I have my priorities straight. If you were to tell me that I could only have one priority, I would be like, well, it's my family. It's the three people who are currently at home right now. Without a doubt, no question, burn it all down. That's the choice. But if I was only allowed to have one priority, that might suck. It, would, it might suck for me and it might suck for them. Can you imagine if the only thing I could ever do is spend time with my wife and children? And I don't want you to misunderstand me here. This isn't comedy. I love spending time with my wife and my two kids. My favorite thing in the world is to sit down with a cup of coffee and just chit chat with my wife. If, if, you had, if I had to choose one action to do for the rest of eternity, no question that that would be it. And my kids are incredibly interesting humans in their own right. I love spending time with them. This is not a trope. I am fully engaged in their lives. And I love it. I, I tell my wife, 
I am default yes on activities. She, she'll say, hey, do you want to go to this musical? I don't know if you'll like this musical. Do you want to go? We're going. The default, yes. I want to spend time with him. But the most important work that each of us does is mostly done alone. So when you are constructing a life that is made of a finite amount of days, weeks, months, and years, how do you go about reconciling the fact that you only spend 20%, 30%, 10% of your time on the one priority? And I don't, I don't have a good answer for this. I, I, I'm saying this to you as I sit alone in my office on a weekend I was alone in my office when I wrote this email. I am alone in my office when I am recording this podcast, knowing that my wife and kids are not here. They are at home doing something else. In fact, in spite of the fact that I am nearly 100% in charge of my own schedule, I am more in charge of my own schedule than any of my close friends. And yet I still work 35 or more hours a week, pretty much nine to five. To be fair, some of that work, a good portion of that work, I guess, maybe, I'm doing for them. I'm doing it for groceries for next week. I'm doing it for a warm house for them to live in. I am doing it to bear the cost of seeing the world with them. It, things cost money. But I also like doing this, so I'm lucky in that regard. And I know that I don't need to spend as much time doing the things I'm doing to get the same, you know, or mostly the same result. But also I know that my kids will be on their own doing their own main character stuff in the next five to seven years. And that 90% of the total time that I get to spend with them will be spent. I've said it before, but if you haven't heard it, statistically-ish, 90% of the time you spend with your children happens by the age of 18. And the, actually, the scarier statistic is that for most people, 75% of the time that they spent with, spend with their children in their entire lifetime happens between the ages of 1 and 13 because teenagers are learning to be adults and they're out there doing that without their parents. And so I want to know, do you have thoughts on this? Do, you, do any of you have actionable tips on how to be intentional about this? Because it seems to me like a conundrum. I know being present when you are in their presence is valuable. I don't stare at my phone when I'm hanging out with my kids. Um, but I want to know what you think about it. I, I am okay with uncomfortable truths. The uncomfortable truth that this is finite. My time with my children is finite. I'm okay with that. I'm not looking for coddling. What I don't want is carelessly missed opportunities. And so... I, I, I want you and I want me to find a balance between demanding that my children sit in the same room as me while I stare at them for 18 years, right? 100% present. And the song Cats in the Cradle, right? Where, you know, everybody, everybody misses every opportunity to spend quality time with people before they're gone. Like, there's got to be a balance in there. So 
I'm, I still feel a little guilty about this because normally I think I try to t- wrap it up with a tight little bow. And here I just said some sad stuff that is true and asked for your help dealing with it. But if you have thoughts, if you have ways that you have done it, if you have lessons that you have learned or lessons that you are learning, email them to me and I'll share them with everybody else because I think this is an important thing. An import, it's an important thing not to miss. So email is spencer at 4kweeks.com. And in the meantime... Have a great weekend. Get out there and spend some time with the people you love. I owe you the punchline to the dad joke. And John, my good friend who reads this email before it goes out to everyone else in the podcast, he didn't get this joke. (laughs) And so maybe it'll fall flat. I had to explain it to him. And if you have to explain it, it's not a joke. But here we go. Did you know that my favorite frequency is 50,000 hertz? Yeah, you've probably never heard it before. I don't know if you get that. But Google human hearing range <laughs> if you don't. And if you have any tips, any thoughts, any ideas, email me, Spencer at 4K Weeks. I hope you have a delightful week. I hope you're focused on the work that's important to you. I hope that you're focused on telling the people that are important to you that they are important to you. I hope you told your friends you love them this week. I hope you told someone that they did a good job this week. And frankly, I also hope you told somebody that they can do a better job this week. All right. Talk to you soon.